know from last week that there are 22 major arcana cards. These cards speak to big, important events in our lives. They can be various life stages or life lessons that we're working on integrating. And they generally signify something bigger than just everyday occurrences. The major arcana start with the fool and end with the world. And what I'm going to be walking you through today is the fool's journey. While you're listening to this, I want you to think about how each stage of the fool's journey can relate to your life or an experience you've had, as well as any astrological significations or themes in the cards that you pick up on. Because we're going to be going over the astrological parts of all this in the next week or so. So it'd be really cool for you to just think ahead and see if your intuition was right when I'm talking about the fool going through certain parts of their journey, just really think like, oh, you know, that sounds like Gemini or that sounds like something Saturn would do, things like that. Get that in your head and then see if you can pick up on any of the astrological references without me telling you what they are right away. The fool's journey is cyclic. We don't just go through it once. We can apply this story to so many different areas of our lives, relationships, starting a business, or just life in general, literally anything. This cycle, this journey can be applied to so many different parts of our lives. So you could zoom in on one specific part of your life or something that you're experiencing right now. Maybe you want to analyze where you are in your education or your career, or you can take your life as a whole right now and see where you're at on the fool's journey. I'm going to go through the journey card by card from the beginning and also tell the story as we go. The pictures on the cards that I'll be referencing are from the Rider Waite Smith deck. So those depictions, that's what I'm going to be using as we go through this. If you want to follow along and have your cards with you, if you're able to do that, I think that would be really cool to kind of meditate on the card as I'm talking about it. But if not, just kind of picture it in your head if you know what the Rider Waite deck looks like and go from there. Just keep it in your mind what that card looks like as I'm talking about it. And one last thing, just to make sure that you can really follow along with the story. The story is centered around the fool. So sometimes the cards represent the fool and who they are personally. It's them as a person. And sometimes they represent the changes that are happening to the fool or the people that the fool encounters along the way. And with that said, without further ado, this is The Fool's Journey. Here we are at the very beginning. You're the fool. I'm the fool. We're all the fool. At some point or another, we have a naive bravery about starting a new venture in our lives. The person on the card has their head in the clouds, the sun is shining brightly behind them, and they're actually about to stumble off a cliff if they take another step or two. There's a little dog that's kind of trotting along beside the fool, which I like to think of as the fool's intuition or their guides. And this is the beginning. And uh, there are countless options at the fool's disposal. At some point, the fool brings their head down out of the clouds and gathers their energy and ambitious optimism to begin their pursuits in the physical world. They become the practicing magician, 
The magician is serious but playful. They use the resources around them, air, water, fire, and earth, to create magic and bring their dreams to life. The magician realizes that they are the creator of their own world. They are the channel between the world of their imagination and the physical. The card has a pentacle, a sword, a wand, and a cup on the magician's table, which represent the four elements as well as the suits of the tarot cards. Those four elements and those suits represent everything that the magician would need to create something in the physical world. They are still the fool at heart, but they've moved into the mindset of the magician, so I'm going to refer to them as the magician as we continue. They're only the fool for a brief period of time, and that's right in the beginning when they're starting off, and in my opinion, after they realize that they are the creator or the co-creator of their world, they become the magician. As the magician progresses in their studies and dives deeper into their own subconscious, they encounter the high priestess. The high priestess is like the gatekeeper to the subconscious world. She sits on a throne with watery robes cascading down her body and teaches the magician the value of the connection to the divine spiritual world. She is essentially a spiritual teacher that the magician meets for their initiation onto the spiritual path. As the magician begins to question the bigger concepts in life and stops focusing solely on manifesting in the physical, they meet another influential woman, the Empress. If you spend any significant amount of time in the subconscious realm, you need to develop the more intuitive, passive side of yourself. The Empress is known as the Mother, and she instills the ideas of compassion and abundance in the magician. She stresses love for the earth and to live in accordance with nature. Nurture the world and it will nurture you back, is what I hear her say. Be a mother to all in the sense that you care deeply about the life you live and also live it fiercely. But life is not all love and light, as the magician will soon learn when they meet the emperor. If the empress was the loving, caregiving mother archetype, then the emperor is the stern, no-nonsense father archetype. The emperor sits on his throne, decorated with ram's heads, and instills discipline and structure into the magician. The emperor reminds the magician that there are rules and traditions that need to be adhered to throughout life. Blaze your own path, but do not forget those that blazed before you. He cautions against getting lost in the subconscious world and uh, is the grounded counterpart to the empress. His main lesson is to be strong and to have authority over your own life. One could make the argument that the emperor and the empress are parental figures in our lives, but they can also symbolize other people who have had similar impacts or instilled similar life lessons. So they don't have to be your actual parents, but more of parental guiding figures from early on in our lives. With a renewed sense of direction, the magician looks for a teacher who can help to hone their newfound skills. They have all the materials and the basic knowledge, but they need someone to help mold them and give them more structure. And here we enter the Hierophant. The Hierophant is a teacher who is considered holy and sacred. 
Students come to the Hierophant when they are seeking answers and want to put more structure into their practices. The magician learns what their personal practices are and what they personally hold sacred through their time with the Hierophant. On the Hierophant's card are this set of keys, which symbolize uh, the Hierophant having the keys of knowledge or the keys to the next chapter of the magician's journey. Up until this point, the magician has been traveling their path alone. We as humans are not exactly meant to be alone forever. We're extremely social creatures, and we all need someone else in our lives at some point, even if it's only one person. The magician contemplates the idea of companionship and makes a choice to befriend others along the way. This card, in my opinion, is not only romantic, but also just really about important relationships that have a big impact on you. The magician is at a point where they are ready to bring other people into their life and understand themselves through the lens of another person. When the magician brings other people into the mix, that's when things can start to get a little dicey. They have to start making hard decisions about who's going to ride with them and who's going to only serve as a roadblock in their journey. This is the stage of the chariot. The magician has full control and autonomy of their own life. They're the ones driving the cart and deciding which roads to take, how fast to go, and who gets to ride along with them. The magician is at a point where they need to be hyper aware of where they're going. If the magician is going to dare to live out their life's calling, then they need to be clear on the route they're taking and not let anything or anyone lead them astray. It takes willpower and strength to continually steer the ship that we call life. And through experiencing the ups and downs that the bumps in the road throw at us, the magician is emboldened and given strength. We're not talking that macho man like Randy Savage strength either. We're talking about inner strength, the kind you can only get from having lived experiences. The strength card shows a woman petting a lion, and it's symbolic of the magician being able to take their own wild, untamed urges and just having the courage to face their own inner power, but keep it in check and harness it properly to propel them to where they need to be. The concept of strength for the magician at this point is knowing that they have the strength, the ability, and the know-how to do anything, but it's, it's really harnessing it in a way that's unafraid. It's knowing that I can face this and I can do this. I can steer this ship. I have the willpower and I have the strength to do it. That's where the magician is at at the moment. So the magician has been moving pretty fast and furious up until this point. As they're driving the chariot along with their newfound strength and uh, willpower, they stop along the side of the road to rest for a minute. At some point, we all need to rest, even if it's just for a second. They encounter an unnamed seeker walking along the path and are drawn to strike up a conversation. The man explains his life of solitude and contemplation. He tells the magician he has more to tell them should they decide to slow down and stay with him a bit. At this point, the magician has met the hermit. If you're a patron of the podcast, the hermit is going to sound a lot like the characters I described in the Why You're the Main Character episode. 
The hermit is depicted holding a lantern with a bright light shining from it. This is because the hermit helps to illuminate paths and guide others. He's not all about solitude and isolation like people make him out to be. Because why would you contemplate life's big questions and find all the answers if you aren't going to share them with anyone? So the hermit, yes, is about isolation and contemplation, but the hermit does eventually have to come out and share that information with others. So the hermit serves as a beacon of light for the magician to slow down and reevaluate which direction they're heading in. The hermit helps to show the magician that while you may be the main character of your life, everyone and everything in the world is connected. And as your wheel turns, so does another's. The magician's time with the hermit ultimately teaches them the concept of fate and that none of us can escape our destiny because it is innate within us. As the wheel of fortune turns, the magician will experience the ups and downs of life, which they will hopefully handle with grace and poise from the knowledge they have acquired up until this point. The magician will also learn that as the wheel turns, life can sometimes seem not fair. The concept of justice and what is right and wrong in the world is a byproduct of having to reconcile one's fate. The magician learns that life can be filled with strife and unexpected turn of events. To remain just and balanced throughout these unexpected times in our lives is going to be extremely important if we are ever going to move past them. Lingering in hatred, fear, doubt, and self-pity only serves to hold back the magician. It's when they realize that they're only reconciling their own karma and that sometimes the world is just chaotic and unpredictable that they could be gracious and learn how to provide justice rather than to just expect it from the world. Sometimes uh, the magician has to learn that I am my own justice. Sometimes justice comes from forgiveness Most of the time, it actually comes for forgiveness. I'm just going to come out and say that. That's something that I believe deeply, is that sometimes justice is forgiveness. This whole thing about getting revenge and things like that, that does not serve anyone. It only keeps you lingering in fear, self-doubt, envy, things like that. So I think that justice is sometimes a card of also forgiveness and learning that The universe isn't always quote-unquote fair, but it gives you what you need, and it teaches you the lesson that you need. To really understand the powers of forgiveness and to know how to be righteous of heart and soul, the magician takes pause. They become the hanged man. The hanged man is a stage of surrendering to the world, not in defeat, but in contemplation and trust. It's turning your viewpoint upside down, putting the shoe on the other foot, and allowing yourself the time and space to propagate the right mindset to move forward. When the magician takes the position of the hanged man, they fear nothing, and they know that a shift is imminent. After some time spent waiting and looking at life through a different lens, death arrives for the hanged man. The death we see here is a metaphorical one. The hanged man is cut down from their upside-down position as they've basically died, 
and they need to be ushered into a new phase. This part can be painful, as endings are typically always sad, even if they're happy endings, even if it's a happy moving on. It's still sad to leave something behind. That's part of human nature. The magician is leaving something behind in this case, mostly a part of themselves that they worked so hard to build. So it feels bittersweet because they put all this time and effort and this contemplation and this willpower, you know, they build all that up and now they're leaving it behind because it no longer serves them. And as they cut themselves down from their hanged position, so too did they cut away the old ways of being. Death rides in on his white horse to bring about a new dawn. And the nice thing about endings is that it usually means a new beginning. The newly reborn magician takes the first step of their new journey nice and slow as they begin again. It's like being a baby deer, like a little fawn with wobbly legs, and they're just trying to really get their footing again after being literally turned upside down for a while. They haven't completely forgotten who they were or what they experienced up until this point. They simply cut away the parts of them that are no longer in service or that they don't need anymore. They weeded the garden in their mind and they're ready to plant new seeds. Yet all of the previous lessons learned remain with them, allowing them to be more steadfast and deliberate in how they go about it this time. This is the lesson of temperance. The magician is now aware that this journey will be lifelong and that there will be many iterations of it. They are ready to continue their journey with a renewed sense of balance and realize that they don't need to drive the chariot at warp speed all the time. What is made for them will be theirs with consistent and diligent effort. It's not a race. They don't need to sprint to get there because it's waiting for them. What is theirs will be theirs, and they have learned this. I'd like to think that this is part of the hermit's lesson. The hermit wanted the magician to see the merit in honing their energy and knowing that life isn't a sprint, but a forever marathon in which the end will always be there. But when you get to the end, well, I guess we'll see what happens when we get to the end, so just hold on. (laughs) The magician is ready to move on after being cut down from their hanged man perspective. But something is nagging at them, gnawing at them even. They thought they left all this behind, but there's something that they just can't seem to shake, and their soul is kind of feeling tormented. Something's on their mind. Something is tormenting them at the moment. It's time for the magician to deal with the devil. The devil card shows two people who are basically the lovers. If you look at the lovers and the devil, they're kind of the same card, just different situations. So these two people are chained to a block where the devil sits atop. But when you look at the chains, they aren't super tight. They're actually rather loose. And this is the lesson. The magician needs to learn that a lot of the time, they're the one who is binding themselves to an unsavory experience or past situation. The devil knocking on the door of the magician's subconscious is an invitation to do shadow work. If the magician refuses to partake in the exercise of shadow work willingly, that's when the universe throws a lightning bolt down and knocks the magician on their ass. And this is the tower. 
The tower rains havoc down on the magician in an attempt to force the magician's hand and make them create change in their life. It's a bold move on the universe's part, but sometimes the magician needs the push, and sometimes the magician is the one causing havoc through toxic cycles or behaviors that they refuse to address. When everything comes crashing down, the magician really starts to feel like the fool again. They feel like uh, they finally took a step too far and they fell completely off the cliff. No safety net, no life lessons, just needless pain and suffering. It's at their lowest, at the bottom of the cliff, that the magician sees a light off in the distance. The light is barely a glimmer as it sits on top of a mountain in the distance. The magician feels a sense of renewal as they're reminded of the hermit's lamp. This far-off star in the distance instills them with hope and reminds them of their true will and why they started this journey in the first place. The star enables the magician to pick themselves back up and to think back to being a fool and daring to dream a dream so big. While reminiscing about the beginnings of their journey, they have conflicted feelings. If they never started this journey, They wouldn't be in this situation and they wouldn't be in so much pain. They feel a little tricked by their own uh, optimism and their own subconscious and like everything around them has some sort of illusionary nature. The moon in the night sky reminds them of the empress and uh, how she said to love the world around you and it'll love you back. The magician tries to remain empathetic while under the light of the moon. They are not the only ones having this human experience. All creatures suffer. So why should their suffering be any greater than anyone else's? Remember, the hermit said, we are all one. The moon reminds the magician of the phases we go through and that emotions will come and go. Don't cling to them. Feel them, learn from them, and continue on. As night turns to day, the magician is met with the sun. The sun symbolizes a new beginning for the magician. It's proof that the sun will always rise again, and we can continue on our journey should we choose to do so. Where the moon has the magician in their feelings and exploring their subconscious, the sun is urging the magician to use their collective knowledge up until this point to move on. They didn't go through all this for nothing. It's time to burn bright and light their own fire again. Don't let the hardships of the past keep weighing you down. It's time to be determined to live out your true will. The magician decides to continue forward, lighting their own path by their own inner light. They have regained their foolish optimism, but now they have the experience to implement it properly. We can't know what we truly live for until we put ourselves in a situation of high visibility or scrutiny. There has to be some sort of risk involved to get a reward. And at this point, the magician is ready to show the world what they're made of and scream their message from the mountaintops. They know the people in their life will judge them, their peers will judge them, and society will judge them. But the magician is ready. They've honed their skills, developed their compassion, and disciplined their will to ultimately come face-to-face with this moment. 
This is a pivotal moment for the magician. Will they crumble under the pressure of bringing their life's purpose into reality? Will they shy away at the first negative comment or the first time they make a mistake? Or will they rise to the occasion, commit to continually bettering themselves, and make their dream a reality? The magician has reached Judgment Day. Should the magician come out of Judgment Day still standing, they are given the world. The world they invested in creating. The world they had been dreaming of since they took their first step as the fool. This is the full circle moment. The magician has worked together with the universe to cultivate and realize part of themselves. The journey has been seen through to the end and it's time for the magician to reflect and honestly take a breath and celebrate. That is, until they feel the itch of their subconscious calling and they become the fool all over again. All right, my babes, that is the story of the fool's journey told through the major arcana cards. And what a ride, right? Whenever I was uh, writing this up and whenever I read it, I get just a sense of a, a triumphant nature. That's what the fool's journey really instills in me. And again, to any of the patrons that listen to the Why You're the Main Character episode, this is very similar to the hero's journey. It has that same cyclic aspect of growing up and meeting mentors and learning the lessons for your own and falling on your face, picking yourself back up and just doing it over and over again until you realize your true will and you live it out. So that's what the tarot is. The tarot helps us to uh, find out where we're at in our journey. It helps us to hone our skills. It's our subconscious mirrored back at us. I want you babes to be really thinking about any astrological influences or significations that you picked up in this episode, because next week, that's what we're going to be talking about. Until then, go find me on Instagram, at moonmatters.astro. Also, it would be super cool if you would leave a rating or review if you're listening on iTunes. And if you want more Moon Matters content, just in general, sign up to become a patron of the podcast. There's lots of great extra content in the Astro Lounge, and I would absolutely love to see you there. All right, my babes. Later days. Later days.